All right, folks, so we're in lesson three. Hopefully everybody's got a study sheet. We're going to look at Paul's prayer, and we're going to be focusing on verses 15 through 23 of chapter one. Now remember, I told you that the ancient letters, the epistles would be very much typical of that. They would begin with the guy who's writing, if I was writing it, I, George, if I was writing Sam, to Sam, okay? Then I would give some sort of blessing, you know, typical blessing in the epistles would be grace and peace to you in Jesus Christ, all right? Then start off with a praise for God or praise to who you're writing, and then like a prayer request, like what you're praying for them about. Now, we saw the praise last week when we looked at the praise for God, what he did in salvation, what each person of the Trinity did. And so now we're going to get into what he's praying for them about and why he's praying for them about it. And so that's what we're going to focus our time on, okay? That's what we're going to focus our looking at the prayer and seeing how we can apply it to our lives. Because the things that he's praying for them about, they're relevant to where you and I are today, okay? They're very basic Christian things that you and I need to recognize, and uh, they're very relevant to you and I. So we're going to go through the scripture as we go through our lesson So let's first focus on verse 15. Here's what Paul writes. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 16, did not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Okay? So let's talk about, first of all, he heard a report. All right? So why he's going to pray is because he heard something about them. So Paul heard a report concerning the Ephesian believers that resulted in his prayer for them. So he got some news about them, and the first thing he wants to do when he gets the news about them is he wants to pray for them, okay? He wants to pray for them. That's the thing he wants to do. Now, he had heard of their faith in Jesus Christ and their love for all believers. Now we're going to expand upon that here in a moment. So what he heard about was their faith in Jesus and their love. Now those are the two main things. You're going to see that throughout the New Testament. Stressing that is very important for you and I is number one, your faith, but then also your love for the brethren. Okay? Your love for each other. Now, let's expand that a little bit here. So the report concerning their faith could refer to their growth in the faith. So what Paul is probably not talking about, because remember, he started this church. All right? Having started this church, he would know, see, a lot of them have come to the Lord through his ministry, right? So he would know that they are believers, right? What is it about the report of their faith that would please him, that he would think was good, okay? Is it just knowing that they believe or something else? What do you think? Tim? What did you say, Gene? Okay, the way they're living their life. What were you saying, Tim? 
Okay, well, that's the second part. You're getting ahead of me, but okay. But how, what is it about their faith? Okay, growing in their faith. They're, they're growing and maturing in their faith, okay? Faith in action, okay? See, it's more than just saying, I believe, or he's a Christian. Is it evident in your life? We know that from James, right? James, show me your faith by your what? Works. Because faith without works is what? Dead, okay? Because everybody knows, I mean, it's all, everybody knows talk is cheap, right? It's not a question of you saying, well, I believe. Well, really, does it affect your life? Does it affect how you live your life? Does it affect how you interact with other people? So he's gotten a report here that their faith is good in Jesus Christ. They're, they're growing in their faith. All right, let's talk about love. The report of their love could refer to their actions towards each other. So the same thing with faith. Just simply hearing, oh, they love each other. That's not enough. He's hearing a report of that love. Okay? So, for instance, everybody knows this. Anybody can come up and say, oh, I love you. Okay? You're in a relationship. Oh, I love you, but you never talk to the person. But you love them. What, really? You, you, you should be caring for them. You should be, what, reaching out for them and helping them and being there for them. Love is seen in action, right? Not just in words. Same thing here. Paul's getting a report. What, what, what would the report be? Just an acknowledgement of their love? No, he's hearing how they love each other. Okay? So it's all in action. So he's hearing the report of their faith and of their love for each other. Okay? Now, again, why, why would this be important? Well, if we go back to John chapter 15, we've been looking there. Remember, three times Jesus gives the same command. Must be very important. Here it is, John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is really important. And so he's getting a report, not just that they're growing in their faith, their faith is being expressed in action. He's getting a report that they are what? Loving each other, being there for each other, okay? Being there for each other. So let's now, we're going to get to verses 16 to 23, and we're going to focus on his prayer. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to focus on what does Paul pray for them? Now here, I think this is very important. I think we all hear all the time, oh, I just need to pray for so-and-so. I need to pray for this guy. I need to pray. Don't we say that? I need to pray for them, right? I need to pray. Now, that's the easy part. That's the easy part is to say, I need, I need to pray for Sam. Here's the hard part. What do I pray for Sam about in general? I mean, I'm not hearing anything big and traumatic happening in his life right now, but I know I should be praying for the brethren and I'm going to pray for Sam. Well, what do I pray for Sam about? Because everything seems to be going okay with Sam. How do I pray for him? Don't we, don't we wrestle with that? We hear, oh, we should pray for one another. Well, usually that typically means I should pray for those that are having a hard time right now. 
But how do I pray for each other in general that would be important for later on? When he does face the catastrophe, when he does face doubts, when he's in the midst of difficulty, how do I pray for Sam now, okay? So, and, and I think this is where Paul's at. He's going to start praying for them about certain things that if we look at them, we're going to say, yeah, yeah, I, I do need prayer in that area, okay? So let's take a look. So look with me at verse 16. He said, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. All right, we'll stop right there. We'll look at the rest of the verses in a minute. But let's talk about his prayer. All right, so we're going to see some things here that he's doing, all right? So upon hearing the report concerning the Ephesians, he did not cease to give thanks. He did not cease to give thanks because he heard, he heard two good things about him. What were they? They're growing in their faith. They're loving each other. And so what does he do? He gives thanks. Now, why is it so important that he does that? Why would it be important for any of us to do that? All right, give glory to God. Okay, that's good, John. What were you going to say, Tim? Okay, to give recognition that God's working in your life. Okay. Well, let me bring it home a little bit. You know, I, I constantly hear all the time from different people in various ways, not every week, but every few weeks I'll hear somebody say and say, I really love our church. I just love the people of our church. I just think I, they were there for me when this happened, or they accept me for who I am, or, or this. And, and it's been different testimonies, but the, the statement is always the same. I really appreciate our church. I love our church. Okay. Why, when you hear that, is giving thanks so important for you and I to do if we hear that? Okay, it's edification. Okay, all right, that's, all right, that's good, Sam. Now, but in this instance, Paul's giving thanks to who, though? Okay, so why would that be important? Yeah, okay, all right, what were you going to say, Gene? Okay. All right, he sees the works, okay, that's good. Anybody else? God wants our feedback, he wants us to express, okay, that's good. How about this one? All right, here's one I'm thinking of. Without the gratitude you take for granted. How many times have you ever been in a church where you hear people say, I remember when people really cared for each other in this church. I've heard that in a few different places. What happened? How did that change? 
people, what? Took things for granted. When you give thanks, you're continually, what? Expressing gratitude for God for what? His body. And you're not taking it for granted. Paul is what? When he hears, he doesn't stop giving what? Thanks for what God is doing in their midst. Okay? Because here's the thing. We're all nice people here, but we're all quirky too. Right? I mean, I'll admit it. Okay? And, and when you got quirky people... There are days, you know, Sam, he's, he's doing some work down in the basement. I'm sure there's days he gets irritated with me, okay? I, I'm sure. He's like, oh, I don't think so, George. Yeah, okay. Rob would, okay? So Rob, there are days when, when Rob would get irritated with me, okay? We, we really need to pray because we're human. And we have to ask God, God, thank you for a, a great atmosphere in our church, for the love and the faith that we're seeing, keep doing it, okay? Keep doing it. So that's what he's doing here. He's, upon hearing their concern, he did not cease to give thanks. And here's what he did. He made a point to make mention of the Ephesians in his prayers. It was a priority to Paul. People were a priority to him. And when they're a priority, you make mention of them. So let me ask you, what are your prayers like? Don't answer me, but just think about it. What are your prayers like? Who are you praying about? If, if I have to admit it, most of the time I'm just praying about myself. But you would have to ask, George, don't you have any other people who are more prioritized than you in your life? Well, I should have, right? I've got a wife, four kids, a daughter-in-law, I've got friends, I've got a church family. Did you understand what I'm saying? Somewhere in there, there should be a priority with me to what? Pray for them, right? To lift them up. Or is all my prayers the same? God, I need this. I need this. You know, you know what I'm saying? I need this. And I have to say that embarrassingly, a lot of times my prayers are that, right? He's very patient with me, isn't he? Okay, let's go on. So here's what he's going to do. First thing he's going to say is this. Here's what he's praying for them. He asked that God the Father give believers the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now, I've gone through and taught through Ephesians many times now, okay? And it was probably this time around that I was actually shocked that I was wrong before, okay? I was wrong in my interpretation of this passage because I thought what he's praying for is that Sam have wisdom and knowledge. So that's what I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray for everybody here. God, I lift up each person here that they have a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. And so I'm focusing on the wisdom and knowledge part, right? That's not what he's talking about here. What is he talking about, George? Isaiah chapter 11. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now here's the description of the spirit. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit 
of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So what is he praying here then? What is he praying? Here's what he's praying. Paul is asking God to give the believers the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. That they be filled, because you already have the Spirit, right? But that you be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, why would that be important? That's even more important than just me having knowledge and understanding. Why would that be more important than just me praying for knowledge? I'm praying that you be filled with the Spirit. Why would that be so important? You wouldn't have understanding and knowledge without the Spirit's help. Okay, that's good, Gene. Okay, yeah, the Spirit is the one who leads them and guides them. That's good, Denny. Anybody else? Do you see what I'm saying here? It is so much more important that you and I be Spirit-filled individuals than just people who have a lot of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Do, Do you know what I mean? That we be led by the Spirit, that we have the Spirit. You have the Spirit within you, but we're asking that the Spirit, what, take control in our lives. That's what he's praying for. So let me ask you a question, all right? So you got all these people in your life. Some of them are believers. They love Jesus. Are all of them leading spirit-filled lives? Everybody's like, no, no. Are some of them being led by their flesh? Do they need to be led by the spirit? Yeah. Now, here's the dangerous thing about somebody who's led by the flesh. Do they know they're being led by the flesh? No, no, not often at all, no. And so it really needs somebody else to what? Pray for them, right? To be filled with the spirit of understanding and knowledge, the spirit of God. Okay? So for you and I to be filled. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I have to qualify this. When I talk about filling, some, I, I, and I know I used to be this way too, I used to think, man, is that like the thing I see on TV where some guy's breaking out in some kind of different language and acting really crazy or whatever? And no, no, that's not what he's talking about. Not at all. Not, not at all. It's talking about the Spirit of God guiding your life being the one who is the dominant factor in your life that you're going to do what he wants you to do. It's not the other thing. Now, could the other thing take place? Yeah. But I know a lot of spirit-filled people that have never had the other thing happen. But they're led by who in their life? The Spirit of God, who gives them what? Understanding. What do I understand? Life. Understand the Word who guides them, okay? So we need to pray for each other about this. All right, let's go on. Next thing here. Um, Why? The phrase, in the knowledge of him, reflects getting to know the Lord better. So when you look at that phrase there, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and not revelation in... 
the knowledge of him. That phrase, in the knowledge of him, can also refer to getting to know somebody better. Okay? So I'm praying that they have the Spirit of God so they can get to know who better. God. So he is praying that God would give them the Holy Spirit so that they, so that we can know him better. How's the only way that you're going to know God? Through his word, but who has to be within you? Yeah, that is the only way you're going to get to know him better. So Paul's main interest here is, yes, that you have the Spirit who fills you and guides you, but all of that is to take place in your life so that you get to know who better. God. Get to know God. Now, can't you think of a better thing to pray for somebody about? That they would get to know Jesus better because of the Spirit living in their life? All right, let's go on now. Paul is also praying that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, okay? So now he's talking about this whole issue of understanding and wisdom, okay? And wisdom. And it gets a little bit more specific here. The phrase, eyes of your understanding, can also be translated the eyes of your heart, Okay, so let's stop for a moment. What do you think that means? The NIV is the one who translates it, eyes of your heart. Okay? So when I talk about my heart having understanding, am I talking about that cardiovascular pump in the middle of my chest that's pumping all my blood through my body right now? Am I talking about that heart? What heart am I talking about? Well, the spirit within me, the essence of who I am. That's good, Sam. Okay? In fact, to the Jew, the heart meant everything about who you are as a person. Okay? So the reality here, he is praying that their, their heart, the essence of who they are, would be enlightened. Okay? That it would be opened up concerning the reality of life, concerning the reality of him. So he is wanting their hearts enlightened so that they understand certain truths. Well, all right, so let me ask you this question. Does everybody learn at the same pace? Okay, no. Has anybody arrived here? You've reached the pinnacle of all knowledge People call you for your wisdom every day because they know you have arrived. Anybody here like that? No, okay. So when we talk about believers coming together, we're all at different levels of what? Understanding, right? We're all at different levels of maturity. And sometimes it can be very frustrating. It's like, Hey, what do you mean you don't know that? What do you mean you don't know that? Well, he hasn't come to that place of knowing that yet. But you know. And the typical human way is to, well, you're just stupid. No, he hasn't understood yet. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's got to go through the fire a little bit, right? He's got to go through life. He's got to get spit on. He's got to get stomped on. He's got to let God pick him up and brush him off. 
Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? So we're at different levels. So it would make sense now then that Paul, when he's praying for them, not that, that they would have the spirit so they get to know God better. He's praying that their what? The essence of their heart would have enlightenment, would grow. Grow in understanding. That they would mature, right? They would mature. Have you guys seen a 40-year-old walking around sucking on a pacifier? That would be pretty gross, right? But there's a lot of Christians who've been knowing Jesus for a long time, and they're still sucking on a spiritual pacifier. We should be praying that they're what? The eyes of their heart would be what? Enlightened, right? But somehow we think it's okay to be sucking on a pacifier. That sounds awfully harsh. Well, yeah, if you go to one of the epistles, Paul says, I'd give you meat to eat, but you're still sucking on your mother's milk. Paul said that. So these are things we need to pray for each other about, right? Pray for each other about. Let's go on. Paul wanted their hearts enlightened so that they will know. Here's why he wanted. They would know the hope of his calling. So here's why he's praying that their hearts would be enlightened. Because the first thing he wants them to do is he wants them to understand the hope of his calling. He wants you and I to comprehend what's ahead of us. What's coming. The hope that you have. Okay? Now, why would that be important? Why is you and I having our understanding concerning the hope so, be so important? Think about that. Okay, you persevere. Why do you need to persevere? Because what happens? What happens? Okay, ready? Life. Life happens, right? And what is it about life that happens? Parades, wonderful times, vacations galore, lots of money in my pocket, never have a problem, cars that don't rust. You know what I'm saying? I mean... Is that what life is? Perfect health. Now, what's life? What's that? Ups and downs, yeah. Difficulty, struggles, getting bad news, bills coming out of nowhere, frustrations. Now, that's life, and so he's saying, I'm praying that your understanding would be enlightened so that you understand and comprehend and grasp a hold of the hope of your calling. What are we called to, folks? Perfect life here? No. We're called to something better with him later on, right? And so, so the reality is here, so this is what he's praying for them about, he wanted them to have an assurance concerning the future he called them to. 
He wanted them to have assurance concerning the future he called them to, the hope of his calling. Assurance, why? Because let me ask you something. How do you feel when stuff is just falling down around you? When life is crumbling and, and your worst enemy shows up and pours gasoline on it? What, how do you feel during those times? Alone? Struggling? What are your thoughts about God during those times? Where are you? Is it for me or am I the exception? Am I the footnote in my Bible? Everybody else but me? Why me? Yeah, that's right, Sam. Why me? Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? So he's wanting us to have the spirit to help us to get to know him better. He's wanting the eyes of our hearts, our understanding to be enlightened so that we understand what? The hope of our calling. That no matter what happens here, I got a hope. I got a future. This ain't nothing. I'll get through this. Because I'll be with him forever. And it's going to be different. Okay? Forever. All right, so let's go on. Here's what he says. He wanted their hearts enlightened so that they would know the riches of God's inheritance. Now here was another portion of this passage that I got so wrong. I got so wrong before because here's what I used to say. God wants to know the kind of stuff you're going to get later on. He wants you to know, have your hearts enlightened concerning your inheritance. What? Your mansion in the sky. Your streets of gold outside. I was wrong. Because look at what the passage says. If you look with me, If you look with me, I can get my place. Something happened with my iPad here. Okay. If you look with me at verse 18, he says this. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling. All right. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So he's wanting me to understand the richest, richness or the riches of the glory of his inheritance and his inheritance is in who? Saints. That's like, I got that one wrong. What's he saying here? Paul stresses that God's inheritance is the saints or believers. You are the inheritance. Did you stop and think about that for a mile, for a moment? And then I thought, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, that makes sense because there are other places, we're going to look at it when we get into chapter 2, where he communicates that very same thing. In chapter 2, he talks about us being God's masterpiece, his workmanship, something special to him. And so he's praying that their understanding would, would grasp the reality of the riches, richness of his inheritance, which is you. So here's the point. Paul wants them to understand how precious believers are to God. He wants them to understand how precious they are to God. Now, why would that be important? 
Is that important? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't know, George. Think about it. When stuff's going wrong, when life is crumbling around you and you're wondering, okay, where's God? Why? Okay. One of the things we think about, this must be because of me and I did something wrong and you're mad at me and I'm, 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 I'm a, I want to say redheaded stepchild. I once got in trouble for that. Somebody contacted me. You need to quit saying that, you know. All right, but I have to. You're, you're like, you're, you're kind of, you're like other than. You're not legitimate with God. No, you need to understand. You and I need to understand. Just like I have a hope in the future, I also need to understand I'm his inheritance. I'm precious to him. That even though this stuff's happening around me, I need to know I'm precious to God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, this is what he's praying for them to understand. So, and here's what he wants. Paul wants their hearts enlightened so that they know God's power. God's power. And what's going on there? He wanted them to understand the availability of God's power to them. God's power is available to you. Okay, now let's talk about God's power. That's what we're going to focus on the last few minutes of our time here. The nature of God's power. Look with me at verse 20 through 23. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that age which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, so let's talk about this. The nature of his power. He wants you to understand this power, right? So let's talk about this power now, okay? First of all, the power that is available to believers is that which raised Jesus from the dead. That's available to you. Now, we sing a song here. Anybody know what the song is the band sings? S same power. That's right. Rhonda's breaking into a tune over here, okay? Same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in you. That same power is within you, okay? The Spirit of God is within you. All right, let's go on. This same power seated Jesus at the right hand of God in heavenly places. So it put, you know what, he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. That same power raised him from the dead and seated him in the place of all authority. The right hand is often used to reflect a position of power and authority. So that's the reality. This is the power of Jesus. He is in control of everything. When Christ was seated, he was given authority over all things. He's already got the authority now, folks, over all things. This power also 
gave authority to Jesus as the head of the church. You know who the head of the church is? It isn't me. It isn't the elders. It isn't the trustees. Well, we're a congregational system. It isn't even you. That's not who the power rests in. The power rests in who? Jesus. And we got to connect with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, and and let, me, let me just kind of share with you. This is a lesson we learned, oh, I don't know, five, six years ago. We were trying to make some decisions. And we used to do it by the whole democracy thing, like how many yes or how many no. And, and, and we would just, you know, go with whatever the majority said. And that didn't necessarily go well. So here's what we've, this is how we operate now. We pray about it. And we come to a place of unity. And if we're not at a place of unity, we pray about it some more until we make a decision and all of us are in agreement. Yeah, we think this is what God wants us to do next. I think that's a better way of doing it than, hey, George, whatever you say is good. No. I'm not even from around here. You don't, you don't want to leave it with me. I'm quirky. Did you understand what I'm saying? And you sure don't want to leave it with one leader. He's quirky. Do you understand what I'm saying? We want who to guide us? The Spirit to guide us. Jesus to guide us. Isn't that right? Okay. That power he has because he has authority as the church. And the church is described as what? Christ's body. And we're all part of that body. Okay? All part of that body. And here's how we know. Romans 12, 5. And so we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Okay? Members of one another. This is how we need to be praying for each other. So the next time I'm thinking about, oh, I need to pray for Sam, what do I pray for him about? Well, there's a whole lot to pray for him about, right? You know, a whole lot. And it's not just, oh, God bless him. No, it's got to be more than that. It has to be more than that. If we really care for people, it has to be what? More than that. 